Amen. So I have, a, I have a confession to make. It's not really a sin. It's just something that needs to be cared for. So I walked in this morning and saw for the first time your beautiful chairs. I'm so thankful for your beautiful chairs. And I'm glad that you made the change. And that was a challenging one. And I look around and I see all kinds of other beautiful changes. I want you to know from an outsider's eyes, it looks great. And amen. And it doesn't just look great uh, from a, an artistic or aesthetic perspective. It looks great because these changes are really intentional about making it more comfortable for non-Jesus followers to slip in to the space of Calvary Temple, hear about Jesus, respond to his invitation to follow, and then begin following him. And I think the chairs and all the other things that you've changed over the last couple of years um, will really help. So God bless you for doing it, and God bless you uh, for being flexible to do it. As I get older, I find myself less flexible. Did you know that? How many of you are old enough to understand that, what I'm saying? Exactly. And so sometimes we just like it how it is. And then we live with the same old uh, recliner chair in our living room that has a little tilt to the one side and the, you really can't put it down. You have to kind of crawl out of it and then push it down. You know those chairs? And some of us have had those in our houses for years. And then you're, you don't want your, your new friend to sit in that chair. So if they come over, you're like, oh, no, no, sit over here, sit over here. Well, now you've got it so the whole place is beautiful. Excellent. So this morning's message is going to be really not pointed to the congregation. So it's going to be kind of weird for you that way. Usually everything is delivered for the congregation, but really this morning is going to be delivered mostly for the fishers. So it's, it's a little bit, a little bit without the romance, like a wedding. This is an induction service. And so this is where we actually celebrate the, the, the coming together for God's purposes of pastoral leaders and the congregation. And, and it's a pleasure to do this. I wish we could have done it sooner, but COVID. So my title is, What's This Pastor to Do? What's This Pastor to Do? Well, first, Pastor... Get as close to the Lord as possible. If I can just give you any advice that sticks, get as close to the Lord as possible. And the reality is he'll have hundreds of things that push him away from the Lord, many of them good things, most of them demands or requirements, but the priority is to be as close to the Lord as possible. Acts 13.22, after removing Saul, he made David their king. And God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So I've already gone out of bounds. For the first time in a five-year era at Calvary Temple, we're not in the book of Mark. I, I, I didn't know. And actually, I, I named my son Luke for a reason. So you might need to, you know, not post this sermon to your, uh, you know, your, your page and all kind of stuff. So clearly I'm out of order, and I've often been. But if you can just take that advice, get as close to the Lord as possible, and then keep getting closer. And, and as a secondary thing, 
be as close to your wife and to your children as you possibly can. Critical things. Romans 8.15 says, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. And that means Daddy. So for many of you, you're going to think of your pastor as someone who is kind of beyond. And some of you are, are going to be tempted to do the whole pedestal building thing and trying to put your pastor on a pedestal. Your pastor is a child of the Lord. The Lord is the one who deserves the glory, and your pastor wants to be as close to him as possible and speak to him as daddy. Amen? And that would be a good model for us all to follow. When you think of a little one crawling up on their dad's lap and getting close enough to smell their breath, they know what their dad sounds like, smells like, feels like. That's what our pastors, that's what all of us need to be chasing after. And for some of you who have had a challenging father uh, model in your life, you find that to be awkward. You find that to be challenging. May I say that one of the greatest blessings in this life and the life to come is knowing Abba Father as your daddy. And if your dad model was not a great model, you can probably forgive your father for not being a great model. But recognize that the perfect model of fatherhood is daddy. And the Lord God himself wants you that close. Get as close to the Lord as possible. And then, Pastor, I'm going to say this, and, and I say this, this particular piece at every pastoral induction I do these days. Recognize who you work for. Recognize who you work for. First, recognize who you don't work for. You don't work for the congregation. I hope you're listening in, congregation, are you? The pastor doesn't work for the congregation. Pastor, you don't work for the deacons. Even though they're elected to give leadership in the church, but they aren't elected to give primary spiritual leadership in the church, you're called by God to do that. The pastor doesn't work for the deacons. And oh, friends, there's always a deacon or two at some point in time in a pastor's ministry who thinks that they're the boss. And then the pastor is unwise if they follow that boss because they don't work for the deacons. They don't work for the self-identified church bosses. They may not have any position at all, but things must be done their way. Is this too real? It, it is actually real in, in many cases. Often I get to come in and say, so, so when did Jesus stop being the boss of this church and put you in charge? And that always offends the self-identified church boss. But if you have to bring the superintendent in for that conversation, it's time to deal with it, right? Because people have already tried. Well, friends, don't put yourself in that place. One of the dangers for people like me is when I retire and I attend a church, my temptation will be to think I know best and tell people how they must do. And instead, I must humble myself and serve in that space. Amen? And follow who God has called. Pastor, recognize you don't work for the superintendent. You might have thought that's what I was leading up to, but, but you don't work for the superintendent. You will never find a pastor, friends, in scriptures who worked for anyone, I've just noticed. 
that I've just mentioned. Pastors work for one person. As a pastor, you're called to be a shepherd. More particularly, you're actually called to be an under-shepherd because you serve the great shepherd, the great shepherd of our souls, the king of kings, the ruler of the universe who chooses to be our great shepherd. Yes, you are accountable to the authorities he's placed over you, your presbyter, your district officers, the general executive, general officers. If Dave Wells, our general superintendent, turns up and has a word for you, I'd listen because he's Dave Wells, our general superintendent, and God has called him to a particular place of leadership. But, but you don't work for any of us. You work for the great shepherd. Your greatest and your primary accountability is to the Lord himself. And my friends, your pastor has a great level of responsibility and accountability. Day by day, he needs to say to the Lord how he's treating the Lord's sheep. Day by day, the fishers will ask themselves, are we treating the Lord's sheep the way he wants us to? And he is a much higher bar than any of us would have. But the best part of it is, his bar is righteous. Amen? Pastor, the people of God are never your sheep. They're the Lord's sheep. I heard, I heard a TV preacher one time say, if they're my sheep, I'll do the shearing. <laughs> and his point was, I will take as much money from them as I can possibly get. Can I tell you that was ungodly? That was unrighteous. Because they're never the under-shepherd's sheep, they're the Lord's sheep. All the rewards, all the glory should go to God. So pastor, feed them his word. Feed them his word. Guide them along his pathways. I had a wonderful gift given to me just a few weeks ago. Many years ago, probably 15, 17 years ago, we became involved with a a teen who started coming to our youth group. And long story, and I won't tell it all, she, she came to Jesus. And her life was transformed. And she came from a very messy family. And her family had come apart with all kinds of stuff going on. I was in another community with one of our pastors. And he was telling myself and Pastor Dan about, about his new best friend who was 70 and who had started teaching him how to fish. So we were actually on the dock fishing. And uh, this man turns up, and his name is Eric. And Eric starts talking with the pastor, and he loves his pastor. Oh, he loves his pastor. Can I, can I, can I tell you? Pastors don't mind being loved. This is for the congregation. Pastors don't mind being loved. In fact, mostly we love being loved. Well, you, we don't need you sneaking into our house at night to tell us you love them, love us. Please, please don't. But it's good to overtly affirm your pastor. Did you know that? It's very quiet. It's, it's, it's good. It's good to say, Pastor, that helped me. Or Pastor, that taught me more about Jesus. Or Pastor, your correction helped me walk the right way. Or whatever it might be, Pastor, I just love your wife. I just love your kids. Oh, man, when someone tells me they love my wife, I'm like, right. Of course you do. She's great. 
I like that. I would rather you love my wife and love me. And I would rather you love my kids than love me, but I like to be loved. So your pastor likes to be loved. But figure out how your pastor likes to be loved. So if he's really, really huggy in non-COVID times, then that maybe is good. But if he's kind of likes to have his social distance around him, he probably doesn't need you mauling him. And I didn't ask him what, which way he, he prefers, but, but it's your job to find out. And then how he likes it is how you do it. How she doesn't likes it is how you do it. Amen? Oh, it's good to love your pastor. By the way, I enjoy certain parts about your pastor in particular. One of the things that I like, I like his kind of, kind of quiet, deadpan, sarcastic humor. Can, can, I, can I tell you? I've, I've, I've even watched like some of the, some of the services online. I, I just, I, get, I like that. So like, I don't know if it's to amen to those, but like, I like them. So, I like his sense of humor. I like that he wants to lead. Pastor, feed them his word. Guide them along his pathways. Eric meets us at the dock. Loves all over his pastor without touching him. His pastor introduces him to Pastor Dan. He's very, very nice to Pastor Dan. And then PJ introduces him to me. Oh, and, and Eric, this is, this is my district superintendent, my good friend, uh, Pastor Andrew Porterfield. He says, Pastor Andrew Porterfield? And, and I said, yeah, well, was he all over me? And I was like, this is kind of weird. Is it, this is online, isn't it? I better be careful. Eric wouldn't mind. It was like odd. He was so friendly with me, like, like way over friendly. I couldn't understand it. We're, we're, we're fishing. He's right beside me. We're talking the whole time. And he's, he's ignoring Pastor Dan. He's almost totally ignoring his pastor. But everything I said was brilliant. And I'm like, it really wasn't. We're fishing. and I don't know much about it. So then he goes home and we go home. And I'm thinking, that was just an odd encounter. Pastor James comes to executive meetings. He walks in with a beautiful shepherd's crook made out of two different pieces of wood, and it's beautifully handmade. And I'm thinking, cool, I wonder where James got that. He walks in and he hands it to me. He said, this is from Eric for you. And I'm like, for me? He says, yes. And I'm like, that's odd. You know, like, why is Eric giving me gifts, especially ones that took him hours and hours and hours of excellent craftsmanship? I said to James, so... So do you have one like this? He said, no. It's the first one he's ever made. He felt like God told him to do it. And I was like, I was, like I was blessed, but I was like, I don't understand this. And then PJ told me Eric's last name. His last name is Makala. And I said, is he Caitlin's dad? And he said, yes. And then I recognized that this was a reward for ministry from 17 years ago where we invested in his daughter, who was very lost in a very broken family situation. And Jesus came into her life. Jesus came into her family through her life. And she began telling her parents about Jesus when she met with them separately. And Eric heard this for years and didn't respond. And then he ran into Pastor James and Lactabani, and he started coming to church, and he gave his life to Jesus. His life has been totally transformed. And he's so excited. And he met Caitlin's Pastor Andrew. And so I was a blessing 
to his family and had no idea. Let me tell you, that walking stick, uh, shepherd's crook, means so much to me. You know what's fascinating? Is I've wanted one of those for 30 years. I have shopped for them. I have checked out designs to make them. I have talked with friends about creating one together. And I've never pulled the trigger for some reason. And I think it's because God all along had this in mind. So friends, I tell you this story for this. Things that Pastor Michael and Pastor Amberly do today may not show fruit here immediately. Some things will, but some things won't. And some things you'll say, why are you doing that? Why are you spending so much time with that person? And then 15 years later, someone else will turn up with a shepherd's crook and say, you're a good shepherd. And you guys will be part of it. Because you'll have helped. You'll have been praying. You'll have been asking God to help your pastors. The shepherd's crook. I'll tell you that story because it's about guiding God's sheep. A little nudge here. A little nudge there. Sometimes you reverse it and use the hook and around the sheep's neck and just, or their front shoulders and just pull them a little closer. Sometimes Pastor Michael is going to pull you a little closer and you're not going to like it because you're going to be thinking, I don't like what it is that we're doing right now. I don't want to do that. It's not comfortable. It's not how we always do it. And he's going to say, come a little closer. He probably won't use a stick, actually. But if he does, he's being very literal. But he's going to use his tools to bring you close together and close to your under-shepherd which brings you close to the great shepherd. Because he's going to introduce you repeatedly to the great shepherd. I love the idea that he's planning on spending a lot of time in the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is the book in the Scriptures that tells you the most about Jesus in the most condensed and quick form. If someone wants to know about Jesus, that's the book that I send them to. Mark will tell you everything you know in bite-sized pieces, but he'll give it all to you in a hurry. Introduce them, Pastor, regularly to the great shepherd. And correct them according to his principles. There's no value in the pastor saying, I don't like when you do that, so don't do it that way. But there's great value in the pastor saying, you know, Jesus would prefer if you did it this way. Does that make sense to you? Because we want to live like Jesus, don't we? Don't we? And we want to please Jesus. Amen. Shepherd is sheep. Well, when you shepherd, the first thing you do is you love people. People need to be loved. Priority one, love, love people and then feed them. And feeding is an act of love. In my family, my mother, my grandmother, all my grandmother's seven sisters, my, my aunt, everybody, if they love you, they feed you. And if you love them, you eat it. I'm well loved. We'll just leave it there. I love to feed people. I wonder where I get it from. I love to have people over and feed them. I love to take people out and feed them. I take great delight in that because for me, that's also an act of love. It's also an act of love. Love your people, pastor. Feed them. And then help them learn how to feed themselves too. Teach them not to make regular pie crust, but spiritual pie crust, and then how to fill it with all the good stuff. 
and then bake it and eat it themselves and share it with their neighbors. Friends, there's something beautiful about being able to feed yourself the truths of God and share that with your neighbors. And when you're at work, to have somebody say, why do you do that? And for you to just naturally be able to say, well, that's how Jesus wants us to do it. That's how Jesus, well, how do you know that? Well, in the book of Mark, the book of Mark, what's that? Well, see, one of, one of the people who was an early follower of Jesus in the church, his name was Mark, and he, he wrote down all these things that he learned about Jesus. And it's in the Bible, it's right there, and, and I'll even get you a Bible and you can read it. But Mark tells us these things, and he's reliable. Lead your past people. People who are loved and fed are more likely to follow. Did you know that? The, the more you feel loved and fed, the more likely you are to follow. Because you're like, this is good. I like this. He takes us to green pastures in good places. And then pastor, govern with them. Your pastor is the primary spiritual leader of the congregation, humanly speaking. So it's in your constitution. You can read it in your constitution. The pastor is the primary spiritual leader in the congregation. He's not the only one. She's not the only one, but they are your primary spiritual leaders. Lean into and affirm the gifts that God has given to them. So one of the gifts that clearly has been given is that Pastor Michael is a change agent. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that God brought a change agent to Brandon? Did you notice? How many noticed that? Nobody? Oh, sure you did. Every time you come to church, you go, something's different. That's who he is. It's how God made him. And it's how God's going to bless the church. You're going to have lots of changes and lots of new people. And that's going to be fantastic. Can I just warn you? You're going to get some people coming to CT that aren't just like some of you. Did you know that? But when I came to Jesus, there were a whole bunch of us that were not anything like the people in the church. We had long hair, and we came to church, some of us, not me, but some of us in bare feet, even in the wintertime, because they were kind of late hippies, and there was lots of people that did all kinds of goofy things. I was one of them, and that church loved us. All those people in three-piece wool suits loved us because their pastor was all about bringing people into relationship with Jesus. And it was wonderful. And God was at work. Thank God for a change agent who's a pastor. Shepherd his sheep, pastor, and be patient with them. Because the Lord is patient with you. And you and I know that there have been times where it's taken you a while to kind of fully get with his program in certain places. And you know what, folks? There are going to be times where you're going to have a little bit of time getting used to God's program or or moving towards God's program. And, and the pastor will be patient with you, but, but he can't be stopped with you. He's always going to be nudging you along. So when the pastor nudges you in the direction of Jesus, recognize he's doing his job. And when you say, I don't like that, he's going to quietly think to himself, I know. But Jesus wants you to get this. Do everything you can to urge the sheep to reproduce. Now, you may be uncomfortable with me using the word sheep about God's people, but we're all sheep, right? We're all sheep. That's the, that's the, that's the language the Lord uses for all of us. 
sheep. And better to be a sheep than a goat. But I'm a sheep. And sheep aren't famous for being all that bright or all that quick. But they are fruitful. And the Lord is calling us to be fruitful. I look to the day where you have to have more space because you just can't handle everybody who wants to come and worship God together. Pastor, protect his sheep. This is dangerous for me to say so while I'm preaching in your space, but you need to protect your people from people who would tell them goofy things or, or teach them to do goofy things. So I was just a little nervous he might come up right now and stop me, so he, he didn't, so I'm thankful. But, but protect the Lord's sheep. And remember that everything the Lord expects from his sheep, he expects from you. So never forget that you too are a sheep. You know one of the greatest challenges for a pastor is that we sometimes are inclined to believe some of the outrageously positive things that people tell us about ourselves. But we need to stay humble and simple. Shepherd his sheep, and so you take them to the best pastures with the best feed. You say, they need to, they need to feast on the book of Mark before we really go anywhere else. Well, then good, feast on the book of Mark. Scout out the land and plan ahead to guide the Lord's people into their next place of pasture. That's part of what's been going on here with the changes. Is Pastor Michael and, and Pastor Amberly and others in the leadership have been going, we need to make these change for the next season. Well, we're into the next season. God has blessed in the previous system, seasons, but He wants to bless differently in a new season, so we make adjustments. Amen? So my grandparents were farmers on both sides of my family. When they harvested, they used very different equipment than what farmers use today. My, my dad's uncle, my great-uncle Graham, he kept workhorses long after tractors became standard. He had tractors. He had all the, the modern farm equipment back in that day. But every year, he'd like to go out and he'd like to plow a, plow a few furrows with a plow behind a couple of big Clydesdale horses. Part of it, I think, is because his last name was Clyde, and he felt Clydesdales and Clyde should always be together. But to him, that was real farming. How, how many farmers do you know today who, who want to work 1,600 acres with two Clydesdales and a single furrow plow? Of course not. We change to get the job done best, right? We take advantage of all that's available to us. That's what we're doing here. God bless you for doing it. Pastor, you need to learn that leading sheep, <clears throat> I think you already know this, is something that we do amongst, not from way out in front, or commanding from way back behind, or, or commanding from your office and the bulletin. If I can give you three words, love his sheep. Folks, I want to tell you about successful pastors. Successful pastors, they lead. They don't just follow instructions from others. They lead. They lead for Jesus. They serve. They serve Jesus. They serve the community. They serve the Lord's people. They serve those who are not yet the Lord's people. They serve. And they sacrifice. Your pastors are likely never going to tell you most of the sacrifices that they make or will make in their ministry lives. But I can guarantee you they will make many. 
They will be time sacrifices. There will be work, effort sacrifices. There will be some family sacrifices that they may or may not intend to make. There will be all kinds of, there will be financial sacrifices. And they'll do it because they love Jesus. And because they love the people of Jesus. So if you notice them making a sacrifice, you can say thanks. Amen? You can say thanks. Successful pastors pay a real price. Successful pastors pray. So if you come into the church and your pastors are praying, thank the Lord. And maybe get down on your knees and pray with them. Successful pastors listen. They listen to the Spirit. They're filled with the Spirit. They move in the Spirit. And most of all, pastors, successful pastors, love. And they keep loving. God bless you.